this week we are talking about uh, the episode Data Lore uh, of season one. I'm uh, I am Jason, and over there's Paul. And uh, we, we have this conundrum again where last time, Jason, when you were on the show, we referred to you as Tom or Thomas. Uh, yep. This time, since you get to decide, are you the, the, the good twin or are you the evil twin? I mean, come on. I want to be the evil twin, dude. I got facial hair already, so I'm like halfway there. Is Juana a contraction? I mean, I think you've been pretty good both so far. Yeah, but... <laughs> Juana. Yeah. yeah that's, that could be... We have to put that one to a coin toss, I guess. But uh, we'll I refer mean, to you. How strict are we following these rules? I I can use contractions. And, I, I cannot you know, guarantee. Can. Yeah, I cannot guarantee that I will not use contractions for the remainder of this episode. In fact, I'm going to. Uh, it's just what I'm going to do. Uh, but I mean, you did in that sentence. So yeah. exactly. Yes. So, uh, lore. Welcome to uh, to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, this episode is um, this is a landmark episode because this is. Um, it's a premise that's a classic one, right? It's like the classic evil twin. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. But for some reason, when it gets introduced with Star Trek The Next Generation, and specifically gets introduced with Data, there is something so compelling about Data's evil twin. Um, yeah. And uh, the setup for this episode is um, the Enterprise is uh, basically in the neighborhood. Uh, they swing by... <laughs> Um, is it Omicron Theta? That's his. That's the planet that he's from, right? Uh, yeah. should that's not. Yeah, it's Omicron Theta. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Omicron Theta. And what the, um, what's the what's the uh, you know, that that one race in Futurama? Aren't they from Omicron Theta? Omicron something. Uh, Omicron Percy I eight. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, also in the neighborhood. Yeah. Right. Birds. They're just uh, they're just immediately a hop, skip, and a jump away from <laughs> Lur. Uh, essentially, is, is where they are. Lur. Um, but the this is essentially a homecoming of sorts for Data, um, because this uh, Omicron Theta is the 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 site of a Federation colony which uh, tragically disappeared, but Data was found uh, amongst what was left of the planet, and so begins his his origin story. So, um, what I find interesting is um, the USS Tripoli is the name of the ship that uh, that found Data, and apparently when they originally surveyed the planet. They did the world's worst job of surveying the planet because yeah. <laughs> within minutes they're like, oh, what's behind here? A door? What? And they found it so fast. I yeah, mean, it really they, they had tricorders, right? Like they would have found that door immediately. You would think that, yeah, the scanning technology would be like, that's not a wall. <laughs> like Jory's visor is not better than a tricorder, is it? Or uh, maybe it is. I don't know. But I would hope not. That's a bad advisor if it is i'm just saying it's a pretty I mean, it's cool anyway it looks really cool yeah it's i mean stylishly yes it's way better than than a tricorder but uh you would think a tricorder would actually pick up more but uh yeah jordy looks at the rock wall and within minutes he's like nope not a wall boom behind there and then, underground and it finds a button or something Look, to you, open you it you can totally see the paint you could just see the paint guys that's all <laughs> you guys styrofoam. you guys looking at this you guys seeing what i'm seeing and everybody puts down their can of beer and they're like what um and then they wander over there particularly on a planet where this ship just found an android right the only android in existence mm-hmm. you think that they would poke around just a little bit more now they just grabbed him and went they're like oh this is cool let's let's get out of here nothing yeah. else here i'm sure i just threw it in the trunk also this was such an original series planet location like the look of it 
Oh, yeah. They all like the sky is like, you know, very obviously a painted background. I mean, there's like three dead trees in the background <laughs> and a bunch of rocks. Like, that is so original series. It kind of hurt. Yeah, we've been seeing that same planet a lot this first season. I'm reasonably yeah. certain, too, this was shot on, I can't remember the name of the soundstage, um, but there's a specific <laughs> soundstage uh, on the Paramount backlot that uh, the cast and crew of Star Trek The Next Generation uh, dubbed Planet Hell um, <laughs> because they used it all the time. And it was any time they needed a, a location that was just generally like, eh, I don't know, it's a bunch of creepy rocks and stuff and badly lit and whatever. It's a planet. Deal with it. Um, apparently, because of all the lights that they would use, because of all like the smoke machines that they would sometimes bring in, like it would literally get as hot as hell. And so <laughs> they'd spend hours on these sound stages just baking um, in these conditions, which... Um, doesn't sound like an M-class planet to me. I'm just saying. Exactly. <laughs> it's way too hot. When they do find the fake rock wall and they do their Indiana Jones thing, and they're like, ha-ha, see, it's a candelabra, and it just tilts forward, and then they go in. <laughs> um, they find the uh, the lab of Dr. Noonien Sung. Um, and this is, this is kind of a cool moment because it's clear that Data recognizes some of the things, um, but it's also a situation that we don't regularly see Data in where he's... He's recalling like vague memories, but he doesn't know everything about everything that's going on. But he's just kind of pointing around. He's like, you know, this is. I think this is it. I think this is the lab. Well, well, we're jumping over a point that um, that Yar makes, um, and I think she makes it twice, right? That they they try to pack into this episode without any um, any call out earlier in the series in the last um, what eleven episodes that Data has human memories um, that are are stored in him from the people that the colonists that lived on this planet yes right. and that's a weird call out that happens pretty early in the episode and is said super matter of factly like oh yeah hey data remember all those human memories you have that you know we talk about all the time they kind of specify that it's not like their day-to-day you know like oh man this guy could make tea like nobody's business you know it's it's like accumulated knowledge it sounds like yeah. but i mean how he differentiates that and like how he could like, re- like they they refer to it as awakening like a memory fragment. Like what what the hell does that even mean? Like if Data has access to it, wouldn't he just have access to that memory? Like I'm not really sure how this works. But. It comes it comes across like a Japanese RPG uh, basically, where it's like yeah, you've awoken a memory very, fragment. I'm sure that I have played a game where memory fragments were a currency or something. Yes. I just can't think of it. Or some sort of uh, there unlock. was a 360 game, uh, a JRPG, <laughs> like a launch yeah. title that I can't think of the name of. Uh, that was exactly that. I want to say it's Lost Odyssey, but uh, yep, no, oh, it, that, no, no, I think yeah, yeah, nailed it, nailed it. <laughs> so this podcast, uh, post, got that in one, I think. In case you were wondering what kind of podcast <laughs> this is, there you go. Um, <laughs> but uh, when. Data starts awakening these uh, these memory fragments. Uh, they stumble upon a bin full of surplus android parts, which <laughs> leads to one of my favorite those questions. Sexy yeah, those dem sexy androids. Somebody I can't remember who says, "Well, how many datas are there?" And it's like, <laughs> I'm just like, what a weird thing. Yeah, I think it's it's got to be either Riker or Geordi, right? They're the ones down there. But yep. yeah, it's a, also Vor, like his his torso. It's freaking ripped, man. Like when you look at it from the like when they open that fog room, like like also don't open a room full of fog. Like that looks dangerous. I don't know. Don't just open it. But he opens that room up and you immediately see like lore butt, lore ripped abs. And it's like, all right, well, 
that's where we're going, I guess. I mean, <laughs> yep. He was I mean, a sex doll. It was very obvious, like immediately. <laughs> you know, and often wrong was often right. <laughs> often wrong was often right when yeah people came knocking to his door. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and they like with very little delay they just immediately acknowledge well we're gonna put it back together um i mean that's which to me there's a whole lot of you not i I can think of a lot of reasons how you could not um i I mean there's a lot of things that people just kind of do in this episode that i mean don't get me wrong i i love this episode i think it's a lot of fun but there's a lot of like we're just doing this now and i'm like wait whoa 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 the implications of putting together Dr. Noonien often wrong Sung's weirdo sex doll that was trapped in a lot of fog in a closet. Um, there's implications there, I think. Like, they should at least have had a discussion about it. Well, and I guess they're batting a thousand at this point, right? They found data and put him together, and he turned out pretty okay, right? So, yeah. N of one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, N of one, bat a thousand, right? That's, I guess, okay, so maybe the, the to take the opposite side, that maybe that's when you step away from the plate and just leave leave with a batting record of a thousand. Do you remember what the first thing they do in the episode with Lore once he's assembled? It's getting a little headed, I guess, but they teach him to fly the ship. Oh, yeah, they're like, hey. Like, that's the computer. worst idea. Don't, you don't teach like- him that. That is exactly what I'm talking about. They not only, like, immediately rush to assemble him, but also immediately rush to tell him information which is sensitive to, I mean, it's, I think almost it sort of comes across as the crew adorably being like, Oh, it's Data's brother. Like he's gonna be, he's yeah. gonna be another Data. Like this is great. Um, and there are signs from the get-go that this is not Data. Like, I mean, essentially well, immediately. He knows, he knows basic geometry, and I'm not sure Data does. So by ordering a heading so many degrees this way and so many this way, the ship can travel in any direction, all three dimensions. And the square of a hypotenuse of the right triangle is equal to the sum of the square of the other two. To something which I once heard but never understood. No, he only knows like half of the equation, so he doesn't really know geometry. <laughs> well, he like, like that. Riker tricks he him. He covered it up pretty smoothly. Nobody Pythag- can tell. Pythagorean theorem. It's like, ooh. Oh, that's something I heard once. He but, knows uh, that deep geometry. That, <laughs> no mind that dark web de- geometry. <laughs> In the 80s, was the Pythagorean theorem a very impressive thing to know? I feel like that's. I mean, when this aired, I feel I, I was what six when this aired. That was space gobbledygook to me. I didn't know what that was, so it sounded real impressive to me. I don't know. I suppose. Well, I mean, you do learn that in like sixth grade, probably. So maybe it's not that impressive. I mean, he's saying you know the sum of the squares of the the third, um, like of a right triangle. Like he's he, you type that into Google and Google. I mean, if you use Google before to be like, oh, they don't have Google. Um, but yeah, Google will solve that for you. <laughs> It'll finish that sentence. Yeah. So what he's basically saying is that Lore is as um, intelligent as Google, I guess. At least as proficient as a late twentieth, early twenty-first century web search engine. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Yeah. So. Which again, it's one of those things where they just weren't really looking at the future. Yeah. Not to not to blame them for it, but just how weird the last 20 years have been 30 years i mean star trek does sort of weirdly predict a lot of future technology i mean like their pads that they write on are basically ipads oh yeah there's a lot of cool stuff in this show they just never got search yeah (laughs) they (laughs) it's true um right after that sequence when uh when data basically pulls lore aside and and 
the, that whole scene to me was it was a little weird because Data's essentially telling him to watch out. Uh, you know that hey they're on to you they they can tell that you're smarter than than you know you are portraying yourself to be but also that's I mean what a weird thing for him to say to lore at that point right because like is he trying to <laughs> I mean I was trying to figure out what data thought of lore in that moment and I couldn't quite figure it out <laughs> because it, it sort of feels like he's treating him like a less experienced younger brother Right, that that it is this brotherly, um, like, hey, I, I see what you were trying to do. Like you were trying to trick him, and then he tricked you. And you know, humans are maybe cleverer, and blah blah blah. Um, I'll give you that it doesn't really feel like maybe what Data would be doing in that situation, though. It's yeah, maybe- well, no, nobody else was doing it. It's not like no. They were teaching him how to fly the ship in that scene. It's yeah, terrible. That's like, Data should not be the one saying, like, maybe that's a bad idea, guys. Like, <laughs> I don't know. The commander, maybe, should have been like, mm. you Oh, you're know, saying, uh, okay. Put him in the game room with the kids. Like, Okay, so you're saying Data stopping them from showing them the ship, not Data stopping Well, he, I mean, he takes them off. He literally takes them off the bridge, right? He, he's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, like, all right, you don't have permission to be, be here. Like, here. <laughs> which, which they give Wesley a hard time for about this, I don't know, every 30 minutes on this show. <laughs> so it's like... And meanwhile, it's like, oh, this guy's an adult, though. He's even though he's, you know, we just built him six minutes ago. But like, well, let him fly the ship. That's fine. Listen, he's man-sized, so we're going to treat him like a man. True. You know, that's uh, that's essentially the the logic that they follow in this episode. I mean, he's kind of a new toy. I maybe maybe that's like really clever writing. I don't know. Like that's probably what would actually happen. They was play around with this like new cool android that we just found. Yeah, that's probably pretty accurate. Let's take this thing out and see what it can do. Yeah, who may Well, and and I guess, the yeah, I mean, it's sort of painting a picture of what would have happened when they first found Data, right? That that we don't get that story. We never get that story of what it's I bet there's a novel. I bet there's, like, a really good or really terrible, like, do they call it Expanded Universe in Star Trek? I'm not really sure. Like, you know, Expanded Universe novel of, like, when they find Data. That would be cool. There are some really good books, though. I bet this book exists. I mean, it would have to, yeah. Oh, sure. They, they wrote a book about the early years of Riker and um, Troy's Imzadi romance. Oh like, boy, there has to be a Tripoli book, right? I mean, yes, it's that seems of... like a no-brainer. They is way interesting. It's got to be out there somewhere. Um, so before the episode, if only we had a tool to search. For. <laughs> well, that uh, that could be several podcasts at this point. Um, so, but like before the episode really kind of launches into um, lore, his scheme, uh, and what the rest of the crew does to to react to it. Um, I would like to point out that this is another episode where Wesley really doesn't get <laughs> the respect that he should get. Um, because I'm not. This is like the worst one for that. Really, this they tell him to literally shut up. <laughs> yes, multiple times. Sir, I know this may finish me as an acting ensign, but shut up, Wesley. Shut up, Wesley. Doctor. And since I am finished here, sir, may I point out that shut up, Wesley. That everything that I have said would have been listened to if it came from an adult officer. And really, so all he's doing is is basically. Uh, Doing the exact right thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the exact right thing. Yes, exactly. He's channeling Worf. Yeah, right. I mean, where is? I mean, where is Natasha Yar in this episode? Right. Oh, 
oh, no, no. Remember, she asks. She's like, hey, should we still trust Data? And Picard's like, oh, that's a dumb question. But that's a great job of asking that question. Aren't you great? And she's like, he oh, call, yeah. yeah. He calls it a legitimate yeah, security I question. Like, yeah, that's a good... She just stands there and smiles. And, it's like, what just and then does happened? nothing to follow up on it. What just happened? And the question that she should have asked, survey says, shouldn't we be keeping an eye on lore? Yeah. You know, I mean, why the suspicion of data and no even question about shouldn't we kind of keep an eye on this lore, dude? Because um, yeah, he's so charming. He's got that grin, that facial tick. I mean, <laughs> he's super ripped. I mean, uh, why wouldn't you trust him? Yeah. Immediately, uh, people who are ripped and, and have a face that twitches every 25 seconds uh you know i'm i'm on board with i'm i'm there um what i what i found funny is right before lore basically goes full-on evil um data tells him to write a book report um i thought that was kind of fun (laughs) he like after bringing him back to his quarters you know and saying by the way people realize you're not an idiot um but i might be an idiot because i'm gonna leave you alone by yourself and ask you to write a book report for the captain and Instead of writing a book report for the captain, he, he makes uh, a diorama. He makes yeah. He uh, he looks up the crystalline entity and begins monologuing to himself, uh, talking about how he's going to kill everyone, which <laughs> <laughs> I thought was just so funny that immediately once he's left alone, like not I mean just like at the drop of a literal hat, he's just like I'm going to get. Only there were cameras. Exactly. Oh man, because this this episode is I, I will say this it's it's Brent Spiner getting to have a field day. Um, oh yeah, yeah. W- with the portrayal of lore. Um, well, and and it it does paint a good contrast because Data is muddled in some of the very early episodes, right? That mm-hmm. he he shows emotions, he does weird stuff. Um, it just just comes off as much more muddled. And if there's there's one thing here that really does get helped by that uh, is that lore is, is contrasting, right? That that lore is everything that data isn't, and data is is everything that lore isn't um, to a lar- large degree. Um, to the point that they explicitly call out the fact that data can't use contractions, uh, mm-hmm. and that lore can, and that lore can make jokes, and he makes one, and he's like, "Oh, you're you don't get it." Ugh. Yeah, and 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 it paints that really good picture that by having something that looks just like data um that can't do that can do some of the things he can't it it you know illustrates those things he can't do in a, in a, in a really good way yeah and in a it's, fun way for Brent Spiner and, and I think it also does a really nice job of um I think really cementing something that they have talked about but never found a good way to to show on the screen which is data's drive to better himself Right. Mm -hmm. Because um, there's a lot of emphasis on, you know, his superhuman abilities, his computational power, his exactness. You know, I mean, it's largely I mean, it appears to be other than being a little goofy every now and then it appears to be pretty good to be an android. But along comes lore. And in this episode, it shows, you know, what a superpowered android would be like somebody who's who's, you know, more fully human who fits in. And I think this episode more than any other early on really sets data as that outsider who wants to be more in you know that it mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. it does a really nice job of of cementing his drive for humanity basically 
he's not jealous because he can't be, but but he's clearly, I mean, envious, I think, or, or as close as he can be without feeling the actual emotion of, of what Lore can do. You mentioned the, uh, the super strength, which is, is another awesome scene in which Lore beats up Worf, <laughs> right? In the, yeah. uh, it's like, wow, so if Data wanted to do this, he presumably could. Mm-hmm. He just wipes Worf out. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's like, and I, I love how he taunts Worf, like, now show me your warrior fierceness. Yes, yes. And Worf immediately attacks him. Like, it doesn't even hesitate. It's like, yep. yeah, Worf. And then, oh, uh, Worf's out. Okay. Yeah, it's not even like a, excuse me? Because yeah. they were trusting him, like, right until that second. So it's like, wait. It was clearly like, you know, two guys go into a turbo lift and everything's fine. Those doors shut and everything's not fine. And then one guy walks out, you know, and it's like, whoa. I mean, he did shut him off, I guess, from the other people. So it's like, okay, something's wrong. But he attacks him immediately. Like, not even like, uh, uh, Data, why are you acting like this? Nope. <laughs> attack <laughs> him. On him. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if it was Riker or somebody in there and Riker was like, hey, Worf, show me your uh, warrior spirit. <laughs> Start punching him. Right. I mean, I would watch that. That sounds awesome. I would watch that. Enter the Klingon battle cage. Yeah. Um, so essentially, what what happens in this episode is um, it all kind of also revolves around you know data slash lore slash any of the Sung androids super duper secret off switch, which I also thought was kind of interesting, um, especially because. Uh, data was clearly pretty guarded about it, you know, right? Because it's just, yeah, yeah. you can hit this switch, and by the way, I'm just done. You know, I'm just, that's it. Um, night night. Well, it was also kind of cute that he tried to make a small joke about it, right? The, the, an, an android alarm clock, and Crusher just, like, doesn't respond to it. She wasn't having it. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> she no. didn't care. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. And but, to me, that was really endearing because I don't think it was Data's content. I think it was his delivery, and I think again yeah, it underscores, exactly. uh, you know, oh, if you you were you were almost there, Data. That was that was cute. That was yep. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It illustrates how you could get parts of humor, but not the the entirety of humor. Yeah, um, he needs Joe Piscopo to tell him how to deliver the joke, <laughs> and then yeah. Oh, Disclaimer okay. alert: that is a thing that actually happens uh, much later in uh, in season one, season eight. Yeah. No, it's uh Is that season 8? No, no. No, no, no. no. Like, it's it's there coming. There's no season 8. There is no season 8. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, um Lore uh springs the trap on Data which he doesn't use the off switch, which I find funny. He spikes his drink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I also, you know, at least the nerd in me was thinking, okay, so what is in that drink? Like, what is a thing that you, what's a Mickey you can slip an Android? But they just, they go right past it. But Also, why did he have, like, the bottle of whatever that was, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Android champagne? Like, it's from a replicator, right? Like, wouldn't it just be the glasses? Like, did he request the bottle? I, I want to see Lore requesting that super awesome drink. Whatever that Which, is. Which, by the way, is Altarian Grand Premier Champagne. I have no idea why it's listed on Memory Alpha, but it is. Oh, are you serious? They're, they actually have a name for it? Huh. Uh-huh. Altarian Grand Premier Champagne. Oh, yeah. The distinguishing drink for murderous robots. And uh, <laughs> Data chugs the cham- champagne, immediately realizes something's wrong, collapses, and Lore then... Uh, reveals that not only can he communicate with the crystalline entity, he is planning on summoning it here... And uh, allowing it to eat everyone on the ship because, you know, reasons. Um, I don't. He doesn't get into it a lot. 
I think he just wants to continue to curry favor with the crystalline entity. Um, plus, I guess he would get I, I got a ship the impression, out of it. And I don't know if this is accurate. I mean, I, I actually tried to find this, and I don't. It, he kind of implies that the crystalline, like that, he gets knowledge or something from the yeah, crystalline entity. He, but then pitches, there's no mention of that again. He pitches a lot of um, really Borg ideas, right? And he pitches that yeah, to Data. Um, that huh, that, think that. that they both have, um, and and if you, I mean, if you know the arc of these characters, it really makes a lot of sense later. Um, yeah, definitely. But he pitches to Data right here that you know you have the memories of a few hundred, maybe a thousand colonists, and are you happy with that? We could have the memories of of like thousands. We could have worlds of memories all to us, and it's like wow, that is really sounding Borg. The idea of having all this knowledge at your disposal, having this this connection to all these different people that you've stolen memories from, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's like, man, that's really good writing for lore this early. And you know, uh, if it sounds like we might be giving them too much credit, uh, the one thing that I did find interesting is at about this point in season one, there were already some preliminary discussions or some ideas beginning to form about the Borg as an enemy for uh for the crew um the the roots of the borg actually go back into season one the showrunner uh the showrunner who eventually takes over in season one uh had decided that there should be some sort of uh villain some sort of new menace that would really put the crew you know to its test and put it through its paces so it's not a far leap to think that maybe some of those ideas that lore is talking about right now are eventually things, motivations, ideas that that they'll that will make their way into what will become the Borg, and the thing that ties it all together really nicely is, you know, we won't go into it too much, but eventually, uh, lore and the Borg is a team up that that does happen. That that is a thing mm-hmm. that that we get to see. Um, I didn't think about that, but that's a good point, Paul. That yeah, that's that's a really easy parallel um, now to see. Mm-hmm. Um, Nice bit of foreshadowing. Um, well, and and lore, lore doesn't change that much, right? <laughs> lore no. is a fairly static character throughout the series. Well, um, and I think uh, I think you know he evolves, his motivations change, um, but he's very well defined here out of the gates. Like yes, he, yes, yes, yes. He, um, he makes a strong impression right away, and this is the character that we will continue to see. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and it it gives that contrast to Data as well that um, that. This is a character that is not static for his, a failure in writing, but static in a failure of the character, right? That, that it's Lore's um, imperfections that he doesn't grow to be something better, mm-hmm. um, that he's always looking for these, these easier ways out or, um, or the, all of that where Data is looking for this, this higher path. Yeah, the the ultimate irony is that he may have started in a better position than Data, but um, has an inability to to really grow, and and Data mm-hmm. does, you know. Um, well, and actually, Data talks about that too, where Lore says, "Hey, where where do I get one of those cool uniforms?" And Data says, "You know, you spend a lot of time working." He talks about time in in Starfleet, and then you'll be a lieutenant for a while, and Lore is just immediately like, "Oh, that's for people who aren't good at stuff, right?" Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah, he basically kind of gives him the whole that's the loser way uh, and then, yep. you know, laughs it off. There's also a lot of parallels, I think, too, from Lore um, as we see him here and uh, and Khan, you know, Khan Singh and, and his group mm-hmm. of supermen. Yeah. Um, sort of continuing the idea that, um, 
you know, maybe ultimate power and ultimate ambition breed ultimate evil. Um, it's kind of that that classic Trek uh, theme. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess, yeah, Lore does sort of fill that role. And, and again, later with the Borg, he does kind of get a band of um, superhumans, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah. Just, they just don't use it. Um, well, I guess they didn't use Khan a ton. They used Khan once and then in a movie, so... Right. Yeah, he was on the show once only, right? Yeah, Bot- Botany Bay. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The original Space Seed uh, is the episode where where he was revealed, and then at the end of that episode, they they stick him on a planet, and then uh, in Star Trek Two, that's where we yeah, pick it up. Back to that planet. Yeah. So mm-hmm. exactly. So maybe Lore gets well. Lore gets more. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Lore so. gets a lot more to run with. Yeah, because um, he comes back what four episodes or so, give or take, something like that. Yeah. At, you know, you've got at least a two parter. Um, that he comes back for. Plus, there's the episode with uh, Lore and Data, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know when they when they go to find their father. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's at least including this one four uh, right there. Um, yep. But so okay, talking about the the end of this episode, um, what I think is kind of funny that brings it all together is again this is a an episode that not only um, is <laughs> is um, poor Mister Crusher. Uh, you know, downtrodden upon, but you know he literally shut up Wesley. But he's also again the only person who, like, if you take Wesley out of this episode, everyone on the Enterprise is dead. Yep. Um, it's be- because of him that they reactivate the actual Data, who is laying on the floor of his uh, of his quarters after he got the spiked Santana Champ from uh, from his brother, um, and then immediately is like. Uh, uh, well, we gotta stop Lore. <laughs> and then, so it begins. And they barely get there in time. Like, Lore is literally, like, the <laughs> about, Christ- to, about to um, blow up a tree. Right? That is the that is ostensibly the plan that he gives the captain. Yes. The captain says, and they're like, that's a good idea. Yeah, like, that. yeah, that seems like a, <laughs> that seems like a really cool show of force. Just create a tree out in space and then blow it up. Yes. Also, I love how he's like, let me try so to communicate weird. with it. And then just says like, hey, I'm Data. Uh, you know, these guys are powerful. It's like, that wasn't anything special. You guys could have totally done that. <laughs> like, Data didn't need to do that. Like, yeah. Jory's amazed. Wow, he really communicated with the crystalline entity. So, like, you guys should have done that like immediately. Yeah, I think that's protocol, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. All you, all you do is say, crystalline entity, I am so-and-so. And it's like, sup. It's like, that's what you have to do to talk to it, I guess. Uh, okay. Seems like somebody could have figured that out. It apparently will understand you somehow. (laughs) Yes. And they don't even really make mention of, you know, is it the universal translator? Is it not? I mean, it's just, he has the power to talk to it and they just don't acknowledge what, how that's achieved, but whatever. You know, I'm glad they don't get caught up in that stuff too often. Like, I'm glad it just works because man, every episode would be like well we can't talk to them. every episode would be Darmok every yep, single yep, episode yep, yep, yep. <laughs> you would never know what they're talking about and it'd be like well this alien's crazy like I don't know what's going on <laughs> it would be the bug people all over again <laughs> all over again exactly um, and so when this happens crystalline entity shows up out of nowhere the thing can fly like a bat out of hell because it can overtake uh, a galaxy class starship I believe traveling at maximum warp uh, which is an impressive uh, feat um, it stops uh, Data, quote unquote, who is actually Lore wearing Data's uniform and really not doing a great job convincing everyone that he's Data, but whatever. Um, 
you know, says for the most part, except for Wesley, who is always right somehow. But, who is yep. <laughs> clearly the only person who's right. And not only do they sign off on his absurd, you know, you should beam out a tree out there and blow it up because, yeah, we're powerful. They also let him talk to it and they let him go unsupervised to a cargo bay to execute yeah. this crazy tree b- blowing up plan. Um, yeah, like, what, what well, I think he's going to take care of that. Would they have sent Data alone, though? Or would they have said, oh, Jordy, go help him out? Yeah, it seems like, yeah. Also, couldn't they just do that from the bridge, probably? I mean, probably. Yeah. I don't think you need to, like, walk somewhere on the starship to, like, do that. Yes. But it uh, it <laughs> also does... Tree storage. I, I guess, does Worf try to go with him? Is that be why we have the scene in the turbo lift where... Uh, oh, you know. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah, that might be it. Good call. Good call. Yeah. Makes, yeah, and there was people behind Worf too, so that was a okay. So we we're just like totally wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I guess Lore gets alone, um, and at the same time, this is when uh, you know uh, Wesley is waking up Data and Wesley, uh, Doctor Crusher, and Data whisk themselves off to the to the cargo bay. And they have that final confrontation. And I gotta say, that final confrontation, <laughs> that was uh that was some real diehard stuff going on. I mean, that was like lore was like I was like, okay, this dude is dangerous. Like I I buy it. The troublesome little man child. Are you prepared for the kind of death you've earned, little man? <laughs> he was he was straight up. I mean, his threats were not only specific, but they, yeah, like he gets dark. Well, he sets, he sets, the, he sets Beverly on fire, <laughs> fire. literally, yeah, which yeah. is the thing phasers can do. I guess. Yeah, when the beam fires really slowly, it can it gets some extra firepower in there. Yeah, exactly. It it, it converted that was also a very shot. It converted velocity into uh, into extra flammability, like it it's a flamethrower, I guess, or something. Oh uh, yeah, that, that's that's space physics. I mean, everybody knows that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so they. They have the uh, the confrontation with Lore. Lore goes full on supervillain, um, and they uh, it, it's kind of nice actually. Data uh, gets a chance to save the day because how does he wind up on the transporter pad? Does Data Data throws him into the he cargo? Him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, Lore stands up. He's about ready to fire. Um, yep, this, he does fire. This is a yeah. cool effects shot that happens. They yeah. they yeah, beam the, him out, and the phaser is like midair. <laughs> And yeah, just, they, they Kylo Ren that. I was thinking that exact same <laughs> reference. That exact same reference. It is perfect. You can't mix the universes, man. <laughs> Crossing the streams. <laughs> <You're crossing. laughs> it no is. Good. It's it's like you know this episode came out in like 1987. Uh, the Force yeah. Awakens is 2016. This is almost. Is that right? Is my math right? 30 years uh, difference. It's 29 years after uh, that we get. Basically, well, I mean, this would have been late '87. I don't know the exact date, but I think um, it was actually January '88, if I remember right. Yeah, I looked it up. Okay, that would make sense. So, but yeah, we're all we, we are all right. So, twenty close to well, and and Force Awakens was December 2015. Well, right. Force Awakens took place in a galaxy a long time ago, guys. I'm just saying, this is in the future. Force Awakens happened a long time ago in a galaxy that is pretty far away. Yeah, and so yet, I guess they had it. They did this shot first. Yeah, saying. so I mean they, they copied it. Yeah. Oh, on a technicality. That uh oh, oof, I don't I don't know if I feel right about that one. Oh, oh, I don't know. Ooh. <laughs> it was such a cool shot, I think, that um that that lore disappears just in time. The beam is there, it hangs there for a fraction of a second and then it's gone. And then uh they've they've saved the day. Um 
what I also like about this is they don't, uh, <laughs> I mean, lore is, they beam him out into space, right? Like, that's, that's just where he is. They should have shot him, right? They After sh- they beamed him out into space? They probably should have shot him. Like, he, he should have been the tree in this scenario he proposed himself. <laughs> right. We're powerful. So they're like, ah, whatever, he'll float around. Well, and the plan, too, was that, um, if I'm remembering the plan right, that he was going to beam something so that they had to take down their shields for a split second, right? Mm-hmm. And then yep. he had told the crystalline entity, hey, that's your opportunity. As soon as the shields go down for a split second, just like poke one of your crystals in and hit the hall. So didn't Data just do exactly what the plan was? Oh, no. Actually, yeah. He, he did exactly did. that. Yep. So when he beamed Lore out, the shield's down for a split second. The crystalline entity should have been like, okay, plan, go. Oh, yeah. but he didn't give him the oh, high oh. sign. Like, he, they had a complicated like, handshake thing, or he had, like, a word that he was going to say, or something. You know, he's going to yell something out, and then it would go like, okay, I'm going to put my crystal uh, finger through there and kill everybody. Like, oh, he did say uh, part of the plan was that he was going to say something to the crystal entity before he did it to uh, give him a heads up. Okay. You know? He was going to work into natural speech, though, so nobody was, like, you know, hip to his jive, like mm-hmm. <laughs> just working into a sentence. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, he was but going to say, "Hey, we get a are you hip to this jive?" <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Lore would totally say that probably while smirking, really cool with his ripped abs. Like that. That sounds totally like Lore. I'm just yeah. saying. Yep. So because they didn't give the uh, the address of the great tree that they were beaming out there to uh, say, "Crystalline entity, here's a, a demonstration of our power." Um, he never got the cue, so he uh, the crystal and okay, I'll buy that. Never That's got a, a chance to swoop in. Their part. Yep. Yep. Um and like what I like about it is that's the end of the episode. They just like oh, this this happened quick. Yeah. It immediately ends after that. There's yep. like one joke between Picard and Riker, kinda, and then nope, that's it. Roll credits. <laughs> yep. And that's it. The uh the Enterprise resumes course for uh for I guess their next stop, which is a computer overhaul. Um said he said he alpha five. <laughs> for SETI Alpha 5. This is SETI Alpha 5? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and that's the episode. And I got to tell you, um, aside from so, a couple of things that you're, you know, we talked about earlier that are kind of like hokey or that, you know, we chuckled, this was an episode where I was like, all right. Like at the end of the episode, when those credits came up, I was smiling. Like that, w- that was an episode <laughs> where I was like, that was a lot of fun. Um, Definitely. Well, um, so let us uh, let's get to the the bests and worsts. Um, I guess to we'll end it on a high note this time. So everybody, start with your your worst, and then uh, wrap it up with your best. And uh, uh, lore, since uh, you're our guest, uh, you get to go first. Okay, the worst, the worst first. Okay, um, we didn't mention it in the in the description of the episode, but when they're on um, Omicron Theta, they get a hint that there is a crystalline entity there by the oh, drawings yeah. from the from the kids that are on the wall <laughs> yes <laughs> and i just like every time i've seen this episode i kind of go like is that really the only re-? like they had time to like draw pictures of a space <laughs> snowflake but nobody thought to like write down what's going on or record a log or something mm-hmm. it just seemed like they wouldn't do that like there would be something there saying it'd be side and they're like perfectly framed up in in uh noonie and soong's you know lab <laughs> well yeah it just 
kind of lame. Like, come on, th there had to be some other evidence besides these kids' drawings. Yeah, not only did the kids have a chance to draw them, but yeah, Dr. Sung had a chance to organize them neatly and frame them and place them on a wall. Um, he put them up. Yeah. He, he took them up to a framing store. You know, that's like a week. <laughs> Even in the 24th century, that's going to take a week. Yeah, exactly. No, but it is weird. I didn't that... see there. there. I had to make it there. Yeah. Omicron Theta is like the frontier, man. <laughs> yeah, they had to make their frames. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, if there was enough time for those children to draw those pictures, that's a good point. <laughs> that they would have made some entries. Something else had to, like, because I mean, they're pretty well done. There's several. I think there's four or five or something. Like, well, and they also had to be a lot. They depict like everything dying. So you'd think that unless the children are, were hiding in this secret lab that they said was hidden, drawing these drawings, they drew them outside, and then someone took them inside and put them on a wall. And that's some time, right? Like, Although, yep. uh, I will say this, uh, counterpoint, um, this just occurred to me. Um, Dr. Noonien Sung did survive, we find out later. Um, mm, that's true. Yep. So, did, uh, so did his wife, uh, because we find her later. Um, and they make references to colonists who, uh, I think, survived with them. Because they later are found survivors of the colony. So maybe... Uh, maybe they were all taking shelter in this secret lab and the people, the children who drew them were the survivors. Okay. Huh? Well, well spoken. There you go. See, I can, I, I can defend this episode. For, that makes way too much sense. <laughs> <laughs> I can defend this episode for days. <laughs> oh, it's a good episode. Then, then so, maybe the critique I mean, should be that they just weren't very good drawings. Yeah. The children are bad at drawing. <laughs> I mean, they're better than that Picard day drawing. Remember that? Those kids drawings of Picard. <laughs> Those are real bad. Those it was like are so... a, I don't know. <laughs> Those kids are terrible artists. So, best moment in the episode. Best. Okay. Um, man, I totally changed my mind at the very last minute here. Uh, I really like that this brought about the Shut Up Wesley meme that has been. <laughs> because whenever Will Wheaton is talking about something on Twitter, without fail somebody will tell him shut up Wesley without <laughs> fail and within like I don't know the first five subtweets of that somebody mm -hmm. will say it it just dogs him it, it's going to be the rest of his life he's going to be on his deathbed he's going to say something to his you know, wife like oh you know I had a great life and somebody's going to walk in that room and go like shut up Wesley <laughs> <laughs> and it all starts right here and it's I mean I think it's it's also so it's, it's insatiable uh, as far as like its ability to spread because uh, I think you know Picard says it his own mother fictional mother tells it to him it's just like well clearly you can tell him to shut up because everybody tells him to shut up and this was my worst thing initially but the more I kind of like think about like the real world <laughs> consequences of it <laughs> he has to deal with this constantly as you and I don't that, dislike what we as you paint <laughs> that that deep future picture of <laughs> Of this a, is just going on forever. Of a lifetime. I'm like lived. that guy in the X Files who could see uh, how people die. That mm -hmm. really good episode of the X Files. <laughs> nice, very nice. Clyde Bruckman's final repose. <laughs> Dropping some uh, little X bombs here. See, even <laughs> when we thought that we weren't going to get another reference into this podcast, we think, got another that, reference. That might am, be our first X Files reference. Yeah, yeah, that might be. It might be. Might uh, be. Actually, no, I think it is. I got some more if you want. So <laughs> save them. Paul, what is your worst moment uh, in this episode? <laughs> so my worst is um, maybe going to be a little out of left field. Um, 
my worst is Troy. <laughs> and is she in particularly <laughs> that she is yeah, not. <laughs> and this is now at least the second time, maybe the third, that a situation, uh, an interesting situation, we like this episode, we like what this is, mm-hmm. has been put together on paper. And you look at it and you say, oh, this is a cool episode. And you say, oh, hold on a second. If Troy's there, man, this doesn't work at all. Because she's going to be like, oh, Data, wow, this guy's like you, but he, he has tons of human emotions. And I sense anger. And he's not like, <laughs> he's faking it. He's not dumb. He's she, Would she sense it? In lore, do we know that? Yes. Later, yeah. does she definitely? Okay. Later, she does. Yep, because in the one of the episodes that we referenced uh, in talking about it in the episode Descent, um, the big reveal right before the split, uh, the the cliffhanger, um, is she looks at Data and says, "Data, I sense feeling in you," um, and so her apparently empathic power or, or her ability to sense you know emotions will work uh on an android so that's a good point yeah and so yeah, that's a good one this this we're only what 12 episodes deep and they have to just have Troy leave she there's no reason that she's anywhere else she's not on the ship yeah right she's not a, yeah not on the episode at all so she literally so does not appear yeah but if she was here it would break the episode completely mm-hmm. and it's just it, I don't know it, it, it keeps going to the same point that they really didn't think through what they were doing in creating Troy's character and giving her crazy powers um, that by this point they're starting to reel in a little bit but it's it's just weird what they what they did here mm-hmm. right of but what it, it wasn't enough just not you know it wasn't enough to just pay her less she also had to just be in less episodes <laughs> that's guess. how the 80s worked i guess it, you know well known well and, and we've <laughs> talked about to some degree that that it seems like what they wanted was a vulcan and they're like oh we already had vulcan so let's just make up something else um and they do this so much better later when they go back to vulcan so um i mean like um tuvok and voyager has a lot of powers that are really pretty comparable to Troy. Um, yeah. But they're not as powerful and he, he can't use them all the time and he doesn't use them all the time and it, it works better, but you still get that Vulcan quality that I think they want here, um, but they accidentally tied it to all this this weird impact of the powers. And, yeah, they accidentally gave her a power that is supernatural and difficult to limit and define. Yeah. Um, yep, and th- that's the trap I think that they fall into. Yeah, that's I. I mean, I had kind of completely forgotten that she, but she no, she literally does not have any not screen there. time in this episode. She's just nope. not at all there. Yep. It, yep. And she and would later, just kind of break the episode maybe with how they were writing her. Back exactly. Down. Yeah. That yep. must be it. I mean, well, and that's the problem. If you get yourself into a situation where one of the main um, command staff breaks the episode by being there you have a problem yeah yeah and their only yeah. option was to tell her to take a walk <laughs> yeah and later i mean they have later episodes where they sh- they would have started and said like oh troy has to go visit this planet or something and then she leaves on a shuttle but mm-hmm. they- they're not thinking about that at this point right right not that it would have fixed it but yeah that's my worst uh so best oh best um perfectly symmetrical fighting <laughs> <laughs> yep um because it it, it feels um it feels like original series. It feels like original series fighting. 
um, down to the fact that there are several body doubles. Right, you already have this situation where you need a body double because Brent Spiner um, has to be in two places at, at once, and they have '80s effects, so they're doing all these like over-the-shoulder shots and um, trying to set this up so that you're you're not seeing faces, um, which is very original series fighting. Right, the the whole joke about Kirk and William Shatner and his his stunt doubles, um, even to the point that that. Crusher is like leaving and we already talked about she gets shot with a flamethrower phaser and her arm gets caught on fire. <laughs> yeah, It's like that's definitely not Gates McFadden, right? That's a stunt person. Uh-huh. Um, so it's like all these weird shots from weird angles to cover up the fact that there's a whole bunch of stunt people fighting and throwing barrels that you have to imagine are heavy because they're androids um, even though they're probably just empty barrels. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's just fun. It's that that sense of fun that came really effortlessly in original series, um, probably largely because of William Shatner. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're capturing again here in a really weird way that was probably pretty unintentional, um, but it's a nice nostalgic callback to those those original series fights. Yeah. Amen. Nice. Very nice. Um, <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so my worst uh, in this one, and it, it it actually more dawned on me, it didn't even dawn on me in the episode, but the more I look back on it, the more that I think on it, it actually really bugs me. Um, this is a, also a very bad Picard episode. Um, and I'm not Mr. saying... Picard that, in, in this one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, not very much. But I mean, like, and not saying that they all have to be, you know, great Picard episodes, but I'm what I'm saying is that Picard is not only limited in this episode, but when he's here he's just not right like he's making very poor command decisions or absentee to the point of like neglect um in certain ways and you know when he has that interaction with natasha yar you know and and then has to say no that that's a good thing you're you know everyone see this good job you know like it's just he's just so he comes across not quite bumbling, but he's very ineffective um, throughout the yeah. entire episode. And it's and it's a shame because he's never been that character. Even in season one, he, he's had an air of um, of command that he he knows what he's doing, that he's thinking things out, that he has a plan, that he knows when to act, when not to act. And in this episode, it's like <laughs> it's like he walks on every like every 20 minutes or so so he gets like three check-ins and he's just like oh what's going on over here okay shut up wesley and then he's gone um you know he he not only does a bad job but he actually actively makes it harder for other people to do their jobs because he's yelling at wesley or praising tasha yar for not doing anything at all or you know he's he's just he's not shutting things down that he should be shutting things down and it just it's really a weird Picard episode. That's... He's way too incompetent. I mean, he's the captain. Yeah. In one instance, he says, oh, that's a great... Yeah, you guys should do that. You should question me on stuff. And then when Wesley does that exact thing, six minutes later, he goes, ah, shut up, Wesley. Yeah. <laughs> no, yep. You just said to do that. You just said to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. You gave, gave Yara a gold star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yara was... The rainbow like... uniform, that's what's doing it. He's like, ah, I don't trust this kid with the rainbow uniform. <laughs> Nobody can take you seriously in that thing. You know, shut up, Wesley. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's he's the incompetent middle manager in this episode and it's uh it's it's a little hard to watch that part of it. Yeah. Um definitely. My best part of this episode is definitely um 
the the big swing for the fences and and really hitting it out of the park in terms of allowing the audience to connect to data uh, in a really I think really effective and very real way. Um, episodes like this, I think, are probably what set data on the course to become one of the series' most beloved characters. Um, because I think up to this point, they they've been consistent with him in terms of his drive, his desire, his you know his his want to become more human. But this is the first time that you feel it, like it hits you in the gut that he is alone that he is ex- he's you know not ecstatic because he's an he's an he doesn't have the ability to feel those emotions but he is very intrigued and interested in the idea that he is not alone in the universe that he has found someone who is family to him and that he has aspirations that he sees within his brother even though he's flawed and evil um and deeply so as we find out in the end um we see what data is looking for what data what data knows he's missing and what data is working towards um and i think it just it instantly makes him so much more relatable as a character that this whole episode at the end of it you're like you you feel bad for him too like he found he finally found a brother he found some family and the dude is a total whack job um and it it's it connects data at least i felt um it connects data to the audience and to um to everybody in, in a really meaningful way um and it was really fun to watch um in that way so um that's a good one so yeah that's uh best and worst and i think we don't even this is so perfunctory or or so you know uh so ridiculous that that we're even having this conversation but i think we can pretty much all agree this is this is one we have to recommend this one has to go in our our trek bible yes absolutely yeah yeah it's got a lot of weird parts right we've nitpicked a lot but yeah this but is, we, I mean, we we lovingly yes, pick this show. Yes, like yes, th- this, this is a very good episode. This mm-hmm. is probably the first like legit, I think, really good episode. Yeah, I mean, well, and um, the Traveler episode is very good, but it's also very weird. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But um, the, this this is a good episode. The tweaks that we're making would not change the story, right? Like Picard nope. would just like listen. Well, maybe Troy, <laughs> maybe oh, bringing yeah. it. Troy would break Troy. the episode. Yep. Yeah. Ugh. But uh, yeah, I mean, if we she pick the duality in lore, that's a duality. <laughs> oh man, is that Schwarzenegger? Troy? <laughs> Schwarzenegger, Troy, yes, that's a duality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not a duality. That's a British person trying to sound like space American or something. <laughs> but no, this is. I, I think this is an episode that you just. Um, it works uh it works kind of across the board uh again there's some nitpicky things that that we've pointed out here but that's just fun um but you know it it feels like it should have been an earlier episode really uh, yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. that that's maybe a big part of this that it gives so much good exposition on data um yeah it gives a lot of exposition on a lot of things and i mean why isn't there more character focused episodes like this for several of the crew like that would be great if you yeah, had like yeah. a background episode like any just anything really because you don't really get it very much in the first season you're just kind of thrown into it which i appreciate but you got to go back and give you some kind of you know backstory i mean well this was great and this um it, it is as much as we've talked about how there are some parallels in this episode to the original series it is also an episode that i think is striking a new tone in a new direction for uh for star trek because um 
I think ultimately when Star Trek starts to really succeed, Star Trek The Next Generation, um, it's towards the end of season two. Well, it's not really much of season two, but mostly season three and onward when they make it a show that is like that, that it is about the people yeah. on the ship. Yep. And they sort of, I think they happened upon that formula, maybe by accident, maybe by, you know, divine inspiration that, that, you know, they happen to have some good actors and some really good characters here. And when they go deeper and, and really kind of crack open some of those characters, there's some really good stuff to be had. And this is, this is one of those episodes that shows that like, wow, let's find out more about data, where he comes from, what his worldview is, why, what he's missing, what he's, what he's longing for. And, and that kind of heart of this episode, I think drives everything much more so than, than the fights, than the, um, than the particular story elements. I mean, all that stuff works. Um, but at its core, it's it's a story about data and family and and him trying to find his place in in the universe. And it just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it works and it worked really well. Um, and man, it's fun well, to watch. It's well just said. so fun to watch. So that is uh, that is episode number twelve, uh, data lore uh, and lore. Uh, Jason, uh, it's been great to have you on <laughs> once again. Thank you. Uh, it was is a pleasure, and I'm smirking. As Lore would right now. I guess we have to be more in space now. If you I mean, <laughs> could, you try. Yeah, uh, I didn't do anything evil. Come on. To to wrap up this episode, if you could, um, could you uh, proclaim loudly oh, and God. seemingly as if no one is there? Uh, could you thank uh, Doctor Soong for your human-like qualities uh, in a very <laughs> ham-handed kind of way? Ah. Uh. Uh, uh, ooh. Yeah, I was, was kind of hoping you would ask me to sneeze. I don't know how to talk to soon. Because <laughs> that scene, that is still one of my favorites. The thank you, Dr. Sung, for my human-like yeah. qualities. <laughs> you know, just, oh, man. See, maybe You're pretty close you there. Probably, you probably should have been lore, I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> At the very end of this. Maybe I should have been the data. Maybe he <laughs> was the whole time. Maybe I was. Dun, 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 Are you wearing dun, dun. a weird, you know, space karate gi like Laura was for the first part of that episode? I have to go. That's the only way to tell. And not answer that question. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Jason. And I'm Paul. And we'll see you out there. Thank you for my human qualities, Dr. Soong. Wait. A small payment for your son's misdeeds. <laughs>